Welcome to The Complete Angler, your source of information on the outdoor industry in Central Canada. With over 35 years in the field, host Don Lamont covers topics and issues with industry leaders and influencers to bring you up to speed on what's happening in the outdoor world. And now, here is your host, Don Lamont. In this podcast, you get to travel down to Knoxville, Tennessee with friend Darren Bahanas and I as we cover the biggest and most prestigious bass tournament in the world. What made it even more special is that Hook contributor Jeff Gustafson, better known as Gussie, won the event. It was a historic win in many regards, but most importantly, the first by a Canadian angler. Hey, Darren, have you managed to get some sleep after that long drive home? I think so. I think I'm kind of getting back to my regular schedule. I mean, we sure pushed it. Uh, what was it, about a 22-hour drive or something like that? Almost 23. Four o'clock in the morning, we got back from Knoxville, Tennessee, after Gussie won the Classic uh, the next day. We, we kind of missed out on the party, unfortunately, but that's another story. But uh, we decided to head her back straight and uh, sleep in our own beds for a change. But what a week, Darren. Unbelievable, huh? It really was. I mean, it was... Oh, man, I'm I'm still, you know, processing it as I'm sure, of course, Gussie is, but it was just a surreal experience. I mean, the timing of it to be able to be a part of it. I mean, let's face it, we essentially witnessed history, right? Yep. The first Canadian to win the second international in the 53 year history of the Bassmaster Classic. That's incredible. Yeah, it's an amazing experience. I mean, to see everything, I mean, we'll talk about it, but all the going-ons behind the scene, everything that the Bassmaster is about, the Bassmaster Classic is about, uh, everybody involved, it, it was, especially from the perspective that we got, was just an amazing experience for sure. Well, there hasn't, previous to this, uh, latest group of uh, Canadians, Chris and Corey and, and, and Gussie, who have made it the last four years, it's been a long time since we had a Canadian in the Classic, so... They're really, you know, for Canadians to go down and watch it, it's a great experience, but there wasn't really a high motivation factor there, especially if you didn't have anybody you were rooting for. But I just want to tell a little sidebar story here about how all this happened. Um, I was bugging Gussie. He's been a longtime contributor of Hook Magazine, which I'm the editor, for 15 years, and I was bugging him to get his uh, story in for the special edition before he left to go down south. And um, as we're talking, he says to me, Don, you know what? You should actually come down on the Classic this year. I have a really good feeling that I'm going to do well this year. I love the body of water. Um, I feel I feel real confident. So I thought about it for about a week, and I said, well, that's a heck of a good idea. I mean, what better opportunity to go down and do this thing? So. I ran into you at the at the boat show. I don't know if some people know, but you're a rep from Minkota Hummingbird, and you had a booth there. We got talking about it because you're a kind of a hardcore bass fisherman yourself, aren't you, Derek? Oh, certainly. I mean, I've you know fished in a number of bass tournaments, and of course walleye tournaments as well. I've I've taken a you know bit of a step back from it with all the uh, the surveying over the number of years, the mapping that I've done with uh, Hummingbird Lake Master, but. Definitely looking to get back into it. But no, I follow everything that's going on. And of course, with, uh, you know, Gussie being in the position that he's in, um, particularly how things have aligned with his history in that body of water and the opportunity just so happened to be the, uh, you know, the Bassmaster Classic event. So it, it's like the planets aligned for sure. Gussie gave me the name of the 
media person for Bassmaster, Emily Harley, and uh, said, you should get a hold of her. So I emailed Emily and said, uh, I'm interested in coming down on the Classic. And she said, Don, we would love to have you there. The Canadian media, we don't get a whole lot of that. She said, it'd be fantastic if you could come down. So I said, well, I've I recruited a cameraman because uh, Darren, you're a, a very good photographer. If you go on Darren's website, you can see some of his work in his portfolio. What What's uh, what your web address, uh, Darren? It's just Darren, uh, DarrenMahonisPhotography.com. Okay, and you can see some of his work. Anyway, uh, we decided to uh, load up the vehicle and, and head down. So we left on uh, Tuesday, March the 21st. The actual tournament doesn't start until March 25th, but um, it's a long drive. It's about 1,300 miles, and uh, we had a pretty wild time the first day going down there, didn't we, Darren? Yeah, I mean, it was um, it, it was a great experience driving down. I mean, especially through all the states that we had to go to. Uh, you know, a bit of a grind, but we managed to pace it out pretty good. I think, and you know, in hindsight, splitting it up on the first, uh, you know, as we got down there. I mean, we wouldn't want to be arriving at the uh, classic with everything going on. You know, feeling as rough maybe as we did on the way home. But uh, <laughs> I think we planned it pretty well. Well, some of the people had uh, issues uh, from the Canadian border getting down. There were snowstorms. We had. One little snow squall before Minneapolis, but nothing too serious. We had a little bit of rainfall as we tried to find a hotel for the night, but uh, that all worked out. But the problem was we <laughs> had a really hard time finding someplace to eat at 9.30 or whatever it was because they tend to roll up the sidewalks in some of these smaller places in the U.S. Yeah, no, they certainly do. Actually, one of the things I was noticing as we got further south um was how the temperature was changing as we got, you know, further south. It just, you know, kept on going up and up. And for us, I mean, we just hadn't seen those temperatures. I know in Knoxville, it was in the 20s or, you know, mid 20, uh, you know, 25 Celsius. And of course, we got the reverse of that <laughs> as we were traveling back home. So that, oh, it, uh, it was a yeah. treat to be down there in that kind of weather. It sure was. And, and we'll get into all the classic details in a second here. But I was telling my son, I had lunch with him today, and I was telling the funny story about our experience in Wisconsin with cheeseburgers at McDonald's. So we pull into the drive-thru, and I, you know, my son's favorite McDonald's meal is two cheeseburgers, fries, and a Coke. So we decided to both enter that. So we got four cheeseburgers in the bag, supposedly, and the rest of our meal. And we, you make a wrong turn out of, uh, turn out of McDonald's, so we got to go turn around in a parking lot, and I'm so hungry – I open up the bag of McDonald's and I bite into this supposed cheeseburger. What? I go, what is this? I open it up. There's no patty. And then what did you say? You said, you better check them all, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's probably a good thing we made the wrong turn, but it gave you a sec to check into it. But it was, um, I don't know. I don't know if you order the cheeseburger light, you know, version or something <laughs> like that, or the non-meat version, but uh, there was definitely no meat in those burgers. Uh, anyway, we had Which to Which is hungry as we were. I mean, yeah, we wanted meat in those burgers for sure. <laughs> so I, I recommend anytime you go to McDonald's, make sure you check your bag and you get the right order. And make sure there's actually some meat on your ham, on your cheeseburger. Anyway. The bag did feel a little bit light, I will say that. Yeah, I, I it did. Anyway, so that was a one minor experience. So we, had, we ended up making up there a reasonable time on, on Wednesday. We got checked in and we stayed at a real nice hotel in downtown Knoxville, which is a, a quite a beautiful area isn't it isn't it Darren it sure is I mean just the way that everything was set up from uh, you know from the registration to the hotel that we were at to you know the market uh, I mean every night we were able to 
you know, treat ourselves to some really good dining. I don't think we ate in the same place twice. Um, and then even from there, uh, on the, uh, the takeoff day on day one, you know, I walked down to, uh, you know, to the takeoff site and it was like a 50 minute walk, pleasant walk at that. So it, uh, it, it, everything was just right there. It was, it was a perfect setup. And you kind of blew you away the number of people there as well at that opening seven fifteen in the morning. Yeah, I wasn't sure how it was going to be. I mean, I knew there would be people there, but, uh, you know, I think I set my alarm for about 5.30. By the time I got out of the room, it was uh, just about 6 o'clock and figured I'd give myself enough time. And as soon as I got there, I mean, there was just more and more people that were filing in. Then, of course, on site, it just, it never ended. It got to the point where I was looking at different vantage points to, uh, you know, to get some images. And I realized, I don't know how much I really want to move around because it was kind of like being at a festival, right? Where it's shoulder to shoulder and especially me carrying my backpack and my camera gear trying to move around. So I managed to find a decent spot on one of the, uh, you know, the media locations and, uh, you know, got some decent pictures of the takeoff. But uh, my goodness, it was just, just, just amazing. I mean, the way the community turns out, the industry, the fans, it was an awesome, awesome thing to see. Yeah, 6,500, I think, was the number that were there for that early morning blast off. And, you you know, when we talked to all the all the pros after the next day on the media day, they all say said they were just blown away by the number of people. And it sent chills down their spine to, to get a reception like that and a kickoff and a send off in the in the Bassmaster Classics. That's what really what makes it special. Let's talk about the you... media day a little bit, because. Hmm. The next day, which is the Thursday, the pros don't don't fish. There's no practice. The practice is done on Wednesday, and uh, they put the 55 boats in a parking lot about uh, 10 minutes from downtown Knoxville. And you head over there, you park, and you make an appointment to see the different pros. And so I had lined up uh, the four Canadian pros, and I'll talk about them in a minute. Uh, and also um, Carl Jokinson. Uh, Gussie's buddy from Australia, and my favorite, one of my favorite, other than Gussie, uh, Greg Hackney, Hack Attack, uh, who I've got a great interview saved uh, from that uh, from that media day that I'm going to air a little bit later on the, the Hooked website, but uh, just fantastic. And uh, it was pretty, uh, I'm going to choke here, but pretty, pretty impressive, wasn't it, Darren? Yeah, it sure was. I mean, to see everybody that we see, you know, whether it's when we follow one of the Elite Series tournaments online uh, or on television or, or whatever the case is, I mean, everybody was there. Um, all of those anglers that made it into the Bassmaster Classic were there in that parking lot, many of which, as you mentioned, we had, uh, you know, scheduled interviews with. But it was, you know, it was casual. You can go around and, and talk to, you know, whoever might happen to be there. It was just... Um, a great opportunity for sure to have access to those anglers and to, uh, you know, have a few minutes and, you know, ask them the various questions that we wanted to cover or, you know, for the most part, just introduce yourself and say hi. Yeah. And I did, I talked to a lot of them because there were a lot of downtime. There was, there were times where they didn't have anybody at their boat and I would just go over and introduce myself and have a great conversation. So the first guy I kind of looked for was Gussie, of course. And, uh, the scheduled interview times were, I believe, at uh, uh, one o'clock, and it was about noon when we got there. We we're going to get there early, and he was tying on a bunch of lures. So we left him alone because he was—he said, "Don, I got to get this done before the interview the craziness starts." So I said, "Okay, Gussie, I'll, I'll leave you alone." Anyway, we had Gussie scheduled for one twenty, and when we came back and interviewed him, um, there was a lineup to talk to him. And then I also, when I talked, I talked to, I talked to Chris and Corey Johnson. Um, and, uh, and then of course, uh, our other, uh, Canadian pro that was down there, 
Cooper Gallant, who, by the way, is a super guy. And by the way, you can see all these interviews on the Hooked website uh, on Media Day. It's it's on there. So all the interviews are there. And uh, so I asked the Canadians, uh, who do you think was going to win if you, other than you, if you uh, had somebody to pick? And they all picked Gussie. They all said, yeah, Gussie's the guy to watch. And uh, so yeah, I when- think the interesting thing about that is we probably could have gone around to most of the other anglers and they probably would have had the same answer too. <laughs> uh, Greg Hackney had that answer as well. And, you know, yep. these guys, the, you know, and the thing that impressed me when we did the interview with Gussie is the confidence that he had that he was going to be successful. He had a really good pre-fish. The fish were there. If the weather didn't change too much, he felt confident that he could, this pattern would hold up three days. And as it turns out, it only held up for two days. But we'll get into that a little bit uh, later. So that that was a, that was a media day. So we got that out of the way. And uh, then we're ready to rock and roll. You went down to the opening kickoff on Friday um, where everybody blasted off. Then we kind of we had a we had a media boat lined up for twelve to two in the afternoon to go out and see if we if you could get some shots from the water. Well, that was an interesting experience, wasn't it? Yeah, it sure was. I mean, obviously, the first thing that kind of catches is just you know being on the river, uh, you know, getting a boat ride, just seeing you know the conditions, right, the low water levels. Um, it was a fair distance that we went up there. Certainly not as far as where you know, Gussie and some of the other teams were, but, uh, you know, we managed to catch up with uh, a few anglers that were on the water and I, I got some decent picks. Actually, I was just doing some editing this morning and, uh, you know, we'll be releasing some further images of a lot of the stuff that we saw, you know, as the days come ahead here, but, um, it was very cool. And of course us being Northerners, we weren't necessarily used to the sunlight and uh, I did get a little bit too much sun that day, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you had a little, it was, a, it was, it was a bonus. I'd say not as bad as Mike Robertson though. <laughs> yeah that is true that is true well with those short sleeves right or the or the removable sleeve let's yeah. say that he uses <laughs> yeah well mike robertson's one of the elite pros that made the classic and he's a real character he's a real down-to-earth guy he's funny he's hilarious he knocks a couple of beer together and chugs them down when he does his way in at the classic and stuff like that i don't know if that's totally illegal but the fans still love it but oh, uh, yeah sure. he had a pretty bad sunburn Yep, absolutely. Well, he found a way to he found a way to cool himself off after, right? So <laughs> I think I've got pictures of that. Okay, so um, yeah, we had been watching. You know, the interesting thing about Bassmaster Live is that they t- send out ten cameramen uh, in ten different boats. Even though there's fifty five, they've only got ten cameras, so you got to be chosen who gets a camera. And of course, Gussie, as kind of the pre-tournament favorite, was. And it was really fascinating. They had a really unique feature, didn't they, Darren, with, with the hummingbird? Oh, for sure. That was that was really cool to see. I mean, when when Gussie was on the water, um, he's running Apex units, and Apex actually have uh, an HDMI out. So what they ended up doing is they uh, connected the HDMI to the camera feed, so you could actually see a real time screenshot or screen view, you know, live as what uh what he saw so i mean i find mouse i found myself when i was looking at the screen and watching i'm kind of you know scanning you know the mega live view and it's like oh there's a fish or there's not just as if he would too so it was a really you know great aspect to be able to have to follow along to see exactly what he was seeing in real time on the screen you know definitely a cool dynamic for sure it was mind-blowing and he had a, a flurry about 10 30. we we were just actually going on and we're starting watching the the live feed and uh, all of a sudden, all hell broke loose. He caught five fish in 20 minutes, I think it was. 
Yeah, no, he definitely got into him. And a lot of times that's how it goes. I mean, you can see when he would hook into him, um, you know, a lot of the other ones that were down there uh, that would follow him up. And but I mean, the interesting thing about that, and that's kind of as it goes into, you know, the other subsequent days of the tournament is, you know, those fish get pressured. You know, it's one of the things where you can catch one. And a lot of times those fish might move off. And, and that was one of the things that he was experiencing along with the changing you know, conditions. But, you know, also the, um, you know, the pressure that a lot of those fish got. But, uh, you know, to be able to witness him just boom, boom, boom. And then he had his limit. Then the pressure was off. As soon as you get your limit, especially for smallmouth, right? Because him targeting smallmouth, they have to be 18 inches. So every fish that he has in the box is at least going to be, you know, a pretty, you know, respectable size. So he's going to, you know, know that he's going to get a certain weight if he can get a limit each day. Yeah. After he got those five fish, he was, you know, really jacked up and he decided basically to look around and, and uh, slow idle for the rest of the day, seeing if he could find some more fish. Yeah, and that's a really smart thing to do. I mean, it's one thing to have, you know, your limit. And he knew he had a decent weight, which, you know, evidently he did. But um, you're you're basically set now, right, at that point in the, at the day of the tournament. You're looking for something that you can build upon because, you know, conditions can change. So if you happen to find another spot or two that, uh, you know, will add to your mix that you can add as things do start to change, then, uh, you know, it's a, it's a pretty smart thing to do for sure on his part. Well, that's a veteran move. And it turned out that it was probably a good idea. Um but he did and also not pound those spots too right if you're on fish i mean you don't want to just be pounding those spots right exactly as it turned out he had 18 pounds eight ounces which is by far the biggest bag of the tournament so he won seven thousand dollars us for that as well so that was a good deal so day two uh well day one we you know we go into there have a nice media room and they do the weigh in which all that video is on the hooked website you can see and I, I know everybody was pretty pumped. We had to wait a long time, though, because, of course, Gussie on, on Bassmaster Live, everybody knew they, that he had the biggest weight of the first day, so they stuck him at the back of the line. It was a long, long wait, wasn't it? <laughs> it sure was. It was neat to see the process with everybody coming into the arena. And, of course, you know, everybody, you know, every boat that goes in there. And, and even then, on day one, I was just blown away by the, by the crowd, the amount of people that were in that arena. And it wasn't even the final day. Yeah, jam-packed, great support. Another attendance record. I think they said it was close to 163,000 attended the three or five days of the Classic, so pretty impressive stuff. So anyway, Gussie's got day one out of the way, and uh, there wasn't any surprises. He kind of did his thing and caught him on most of them, uh, I guess almost all of them, on the Smeltonator. If I think he got pretty much every fish on that uh, on that bait. So day two goes out, and the uh, temperature, the weather started to change. It got pretty warm, didn't it? Yeah, not only did it get warm, uh, you know, those fish are getting pressured, like I mentioned earlier. You know, it's one thing for conditions to change, but, you know, especially when other guys start getting on the program or even if not just getting on the program, but they might want to sample a little bit of what Gussie's doing, you know, they'll put up on some of those spots. And, um, you know, if it's even just a matter of them getting one fish, that could be one of those fish that, you know, he might have, uh, you know, had or needed in his bag. And, you know, I think we witnessed a little bit of that on uh, on day three that we'll chat about. But um, yeah. um, conditions were definitely changing for sure. So he uh, he worked hard. He ended up on his uh, on his second spot. He had one spot in the canal, and then the second spot was a little further up in, in a widened widened out section of the Tennessee River. And what he was fishing, he explained in in the media conference, was slate rock with cracks in it. And the way he found the fish was with his AccuView camera, which he dropped down. 
because you're not going to mark those fish that are hiding in the crevices on no matter no matter how good your uh, your apex is. Uh, you're not going to mark those fish. So the AccuView came in handy, and he, he could see them down there in the cracks. Yeah, you hey, sure can. And, and it, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead, Don. Go ahead, Darren. Well, I was just going to say one of the techniques that he, you know, mentioned um, is you could drive over them with your electronics. But when he was on spots that he anticipated that the fish were, a technique that he used is, is he would drop his, um, you know, his Z-Man and a smeltonator down there. And then if the fish were there, they would rise up off the bottom. Basically, he was doing that so the fish can show themselves. And that's something that not a lot of, actually nobody, I think, really picked up on because anybody using their electronics, they'll drive over a spot. Maybe they can see bottom transitions or different things. But you're not always able to see the fish when they're sitting in a crack or, you know, somewhere, you know, uh, off a rock edge or something like that. So he knew where the fish should be. And then he would drop his lure down so they can show themselves. And then, you know, he would be on them. Yeah, he used the AccuView to spot the fish, and then he marked them on a waypoint, and he came back to them, and like you said, dropped the jig three feet above them. And if they came out, um, you know, half the time, that at least the first day, he he was able to catch a few of them. Now that's there slowed was a lot down. of times. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, I was going to say that there's a lot of times where you can see when they had that live view of his apex with the mega live where you can see the bottom and then all of a sudden you would see these targets rise off from the bottom. So you can visualize it with your own eyes, exactly what was happening. And that was the technique he was using. Yeah, it was, it was actually fascinating. So he had four fish and he needed another actually good fish to fill out his bag on, on day two. So he went to his third spot, which was not too far away and he grounded out and, uh, he ended up, uh, he had two fish in his live well that were two pounds and 12 ounces. So he wanted, really wanted an upgrade. So he went and went to his third spot and about uh, with an hour to go before he had to leave for weigh-in, he managed to catch a three pound eight ounce bass. And that I think Darren was critical in him winning the tournament. Oh, for sure. You know, every ounce counted. Um, didn't he catch, what did they call it? Um, was it the first day? He got mean one mouth. that they called a mean mouth. That's right, which is basically a cross between a smallmouth and a spotted bass, which counts as it falls within the smallmouth regulations as far as the, uh, you know, the length, um, you know, regulation. So it had to be 18 inches. But that was a pretty sizable fish. I remember at first it's like, no, that's a large mouth. No, that's a smallmouth. But it turns out it's one of those mean mouths, as they call it, one of those hybrids. Yeah, I never even heard of that before. So that three pound, eight ounce bass gave him, I think, 17.7 on day two. And now he's going into day three with a fairly six and a quarter pound lead, which is all the announcers from Bassmaster were saying, well, if he catches five fish, this is a blowout. And then what happened on day three? Well, day three conditions changed again. You know, it, it stayed warm. Um, there was definitely pressure. You know, he noted that himself. He was mentioning that on live is that it's one thing for conditions to change. It's another thing to have, you know, all these boats over top. And of course, Gussie being in the lead, you know, uh, Zona and the guys that were announcing, they were mentioning too that, you know, he's on a spot. And when you have all these boats that are kind of within the area, you know, you've got your, you know, your outboard motors going on, you've got the trolling motors, you've got all the pinging from the transducers when guys are, you know, just hanging around there, dropping or, you know, hanging on the spot, kind of watching, taking pictures and that sort of stuff. There's just a lot more action around the spots that he were fishing. So that adds to a lot of the pressure as well. And of course, you know, he would find fish, but they were just not committing, you know, they were, uh, you know, they knew something was up and, you know, it was something he had to deal with. Well, one of the things we talked about and, uh, you know, we've, 
fished a lot and uh, we didn't know if Gussie was using scent or not. Sometimes, as you mentioned, Darren, if you put scent on, on your lure, you can actually get those fish that are kind of swirling around. You can get them commit. Well, guess what I found out? They, those Z-mans were scented. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why we didn't see him put any scent on because they had already been pre-scented. So yes, he was using scent and those fish still wouldn't bite. Yep. It just shows you the pressure, the mood, the conditions, all of those things that kind of, you know, affected how things turned out in him trying to get those fish. And, you know, the other thing is, is having to execute. Now he did catch a couple extra fish, but of course they didn't measure. They weren't that qualified 18 inch. I think one of them was about 17 and a half, maybe 17 and seven eighths or something like that. But uh, man, if he could have had those in the box as well too, but you know, luckily, uh, you know, those two that he got were decent size. And, you know, as it turned out, it, um, it was enough for him to clinch. Well, he had one fish and, and, uh, one of the other anglers, you know, was really making a surge and he was within, uh, I think half a, he might've gone ahead or he's within half an ounce of Gussie. And then we were watching and Gussie set the hook on the second fish and we all go, Oh my goodness, he better get this in the boat. This could be the tournament. And as it That's turns it. out, it was. That's it. That was the one fish that sealed the deal. And, uh, you know, when I was on the, uh, you know, the camera riser in the arena, I mean, I'm doing the math in my head thinking, okay, how much does he need? I mean, he's got, you know, his weight right now. And then the other guys, as they weigh in, um, you know, that was all going through my mind. So now you start second guessing yourself as to, well, okay, those two fish had to be 18 inches, of course. So they're probably going to be around three pounds. But then again, he did, he did have some others that were 212. Well, what if it happens that, you know, they were kind of skinnier, you know, 18 inch mm -hmm. fish, and maybe he only had, you know, five pounds in the box or something. Now he needed five, four five pounds, four ounces to clinch the win. Uh, but so now I'm second guessing myself thinking, nah, man, they got to be three pounds each. So then, you know, six pounds and then he's got it. But man, even for myself, all those things were going on at the same time while I was sitting there watching everything unfold. A lot of suspense. <laughs> it was. And so when he came in the arena, he is such a popular angler all over the world. They were just screaming for him. And uh, there it goes on the scale. He wins by a pound and a quarter. And the place goes nuts, just crazy. So a little sidebar story. You've been on the riser front row with your camera since, what, 2.30, Darren? I wanted to get there early, yeah. I wanted to get a choice spot because obviously it being the final day, you know, of the Bassmaster Classic Championship Sunday, um, I, with it being my first time down there, uh, wasn't sure how things were going to be. I mean, is all the media going to be there earlier? Am I even going to be able to get a spot? So I managed to get there quite a bit earlier. You know, I was talking to, you know, John, who was organizing a lot of that stuff, and, and he got me set up in a pretty good position there um, where I didn't have anybody in front of me, no obstructions. So, you know, I definitely had prime seats right there. And I think you found yourself in a good position too. Well, Emily, as I mentioned, Harley, she um, she grabbed me, Don, because I was out in the in the back. I wanted to see, I wanted to talk to Gussie when he came in and waited in line. And so what they do is they have a super six. They'll, the last six anglers, the super six, they call it, they all, they bring them in one at a time. They weigh them. Uh, well, they actually, they introduce them first. All six come on stage and they go back to their boats and then they bring them in. So Gussie was last. And um, Emily grabs me and puts me right beside the stage. And it was an incredible when they, when they weighed the fish, Gussie's fish, and he'd won and he stood with a trophy and then they shot off. Uh, the smoke and the confetti and you got to watch it. I was right there and I recorded 
on my phone video of all this. And it was one of the most thrilling moments of my life. Uh, a memory I'll have etched in, you know, a memory that I'll have for the rest of my life. It was just incredible. So you can watch that. It's on our, the Hook Facebook uh, page. It's also, I just did a story today. It's embedded in the the, the story today that I posted on the Hook website, which is uh, today is uh, March the 30th, by the way. This podcast was recorded and you'll, you'll see it all. It was just such a thrill. And then they grabbed Gussie and uh, you got to wait. They they have a big press conference at the other end of the arena. And we got in there and uh, we got some great shots and and we got to celebrate and got our picture with the trophy with Gussie. And then the last thing we did was I whipped out my phone and I got him to thank every all the Canadians and this part of the world. For, he thanked everybody for the Bassmaster win. Yeah, and that meant something to him. I mean, he knew and he set it up on stage you know, a couple days before is, uh, you know, really hoping he can bring it home for, you know, for the Canadians. And, and obviously it's something that means a lot to him and his family, but, you know, particularly he knows he has a really good following. And I think another note, um, you know, that has to be said because, uh, you know, following a lot of the social media comments and posts afterwards, um, I noticed that um, G-Man uh, Swindle, he actually made a, uh, uh, a video about everything going on. And you could just hear the sentiments that all of the other fellow anglers were saying about Gussie, you know, with his character, you know, how he is just being such a nice guy, such a respected guy, uh, you know, throughout, you know, the Bassmaster community uh, and amongst all the other anglers. And, and that really says a lot, you know, as we know, within the industry, there's a lot, there's a lot of personalities and, and people. And, and Gussie really is one of the good guys for sure. I mean, there's no two ways about it, you know, the amount of respect that he commands and, you know, just him being a humble, nice guy and just loving what he does. And it meant a lot to him to bring it home for Canada, for sure. Yeah, Gussie is uh, very loved by a lot of people from everywhere. Uh, what does this mean? This is a, this is a real life-changing moment. I mean, people say that all the time. Let's just, first thing, let's talk a little bit about the money. 300,000 US, and then he won another 7,000 for the Berkeley big bag, or the Rapala big bag, sorry, man, sorry. And so that in itself, it's a game changer. I looked up on his, uh, on his bio on the Bassmaster website. He has now almost earned $800,000 on that circuit. Pretty incredible. It sure is. Uh, I think the other side to that, though, is, I mean, that sounds like a lot, which it is, but when you actually add up the costs, you know, for any angler to be able to fish the series, I mean, let's just think about fuel, lodging, accommodations, uh, food, all that sort of stuff. A lot of that money, you know, can definitely get, you know, eaten up pretty fast. And, and it's really hard to, to compete or to even fish these series without having a lot of support, um, you know, particularly from sponsors and, you know, people that are, you know, willing to put you up and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, certainly for Gussie, you know, the money is, uh, is a very, you know, welcome thing and something that he'll continue to build on. But, uh, you know, when you win at this level, you know, that really is, you know, the pinnacle of your, you know, your tournament, your, your fishing career, particularly the Bassmaster Classic. I mean, it just doesn't get any bigger than that. Everybody says the Super Bowl of fishing and all that. And that's really what it is. He is a world champion, you know, Bassmaster Classic winner. It's amazing. Yeah. And uh, probably one of the reasons I don't have him on a podcast today is he's got a lineup uh, that will last probably a month of people that want a piece of him. And, uh, that that's great, and you know, Gussie's such an accommodating guy. If 
you say something nice to him on his, uh, you know, his Instagram account, he'll, he almost always gets back to you. He does take the time to reach out and stay in contact with his fans. That's just part of who he is. But he's also been very loyal to his sponsors, which which goes a long way in this industry. Yeah, it sure does. I mean, he's not somebody that's, uh, I mean, we've had conversations about folks that are, you know, loyal to the deal or loyal to the brand. You know, Gussie is is loyal to, you know, he's loyal to the brands. He's loyal to the people. He's loyal to the partnerships that he's built over the years. And he's, of course, a user of all the products that he represents and a passionate user of all the products that he represents. I mean, he doesn't really see himself using, you know, anything else because a lot of those, you know, partnerships, you know, help you know, helped him in his, uh, you know, in his path to, to where he is now. So um, he's very grateful for all of that. He's very humble. Um, and, you know, as you mentioned, too, just it just reflects so much in his character, you know, him getting back to people. Uh, I think I made a comment one night where it's like, man, it's like 1130 already. And he just responded to one of my posts. And it's like, buddy, get some sleep. You know, <laughs> no you got kidding. a big day tomorrow. So <laughs> yeah, really big day. <laughs> but uh, he has managed to make it back to uh, Lake of the Woods as he has a home just on the shores uh, near Kuwait and uh, well, not on the shores. He's about a couple miles off, but uh, back in the bush. But he's got a really nice place there, and uh, he'll he'll be doing a lot of uh, media stuff for the next little while. And then I think the, when he has that me time, that's when things will start to hit him. You know, yeah. I mean, obviously everything's still a whirlwind, and he's got you know. A, all these interviews and, you know, media engagements lined up. But uh, I think when he has his, you know, his, his me time, um, that's when it's really going to start to think in when he, maybe he'll be sitting on his couch and he's like, wow, I just won the Bassmaster Classic. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's hard to imagine. We've been friends for a long time and he's been writing for a hook magazine for a really long time. And his articles are great. You know, you can, you can hear all about Gussie on the podcast that I did just before he came down for the classic and it really gives you an idea of who the man is, and he's pretty special. Sure is, sure is. Yeah, he's loved by everybody. And if you want to learn more about Darren, I did a podcast a little while back that you can find on the Hooked website. Uh, just go to the Complete Angler Podcast button there, and it'll list all the uh, the past uh, podcasts that we've had. Well, Darren, uh, I really appreciate you coming down with me to the Bassmaster Classic. Uh, I guess we should say that it couldn't end it any better. Absolutely. You know, that's, that's a good way to end it. I mean, like I said, everything aligned, um, you know, Gussie's the man, he's the Blastmaster classic world champion. Something for us to be able to witness was just a pleasure. Um, you know, certainly thanks, uh, you know, to yourself, you know, and hook media, you know, for me to be able to have the opportunity to be a part of that with you and to witness, you know, this historic event, it was something that, uh, you know, I'll certainly never forget. And special thanks to Emily and all the Bassmaster staff. They really made us feel special when we were down there. I really appreciated it. Without a doubt. Absolutely. Thanks, Darren. Take care. Thanks, Don. You too. Thanks for tuning in. Visit hookedmagazine.com to subscribe to The Complete Angler and never miss an episode.